So a couple of days ago, I did a video talking about Jalen Carter and voicing some concerns about things he'd said about his conditioning and the way that that had shown up in games. By now, everybody knows that against Ohio State, he looked absolutely exhausted during that game. The commentators mentioned it. And then in the national championship game against TCU, there was a sideline report after halftime where it was revealed that he had told the reporter that he was embarrassed by his performance. And as a consequence of looking so exhausted and tired in that game against Ohio State, he had run sprints in the week before the TCU game to try and improve his conditioning. Jalen Carter trying to prove that you can improve stamina at an elite athlete's level by running sprints for a week. That, for me, was alarm bells. It goes to show that he doesn't really know what it means to improve your conditioning. It worries me that his conditioning was no good when he knew there was a lot at stake in that season, not just for his team, but also personally with the draft being around the corner. But then I saw something in the week as I was kind of digging around, which just made me even more concerned. And it was a press conference where Jalen Carter was asked at the start of April last year what he was working on the most, what the coaches had said to him ahead of what was ultimately going to be his final season at Georgia. And he said that the thing that he was working on the most or that had been told by Kirby Spark to work on was his conditioning and that he was doing runs and he was doing things that he hadn't done before because he needed to improve his conditioning. Char was in here a little while ago saying how he wanted you to step up as a leader, work on conditioning. How, this spring, you know, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt obviously not here anymore. How have you handled this challenge? Uh, I work like a different way. You know, I um, started running more after practice and all that because some guys motivated me to do more because they told me I could be top 10 pick and all that. So I've done a lot that I usually didn't do my freshman year. I've just been working harder. What has sort of been your focus this spring, the things you want to get better at, and then with what's left, what, what do you kind of want to do to make the most of it? Uh, really conditioning and getting more reps. I know a lot of reps is going to come my way because all the focus is a lot on me. So I've been just running a lot, like I said, so, so I can get better and just have more reps. So he admitted that in April last year, the conditioning issue needs to be worked on. And then later on in the press conference, he was asked again, what is the biggest thing you're working on? And he said, conditioning. So conditioning and stamina and fitness identified as a problem in April. And then it comes to the two most important games of the season. And he's having what he described in his words as an embarrassing performance against Ohio State. And he's running sprints before the TCU game for a week to try and improve upon that situation. This worries me. He feels like a player to me who you are going to have to kick his ass every single day. And even that might not be enough. And on top of the, the report from Todd McShay on ESPN of character concerns that are being voiced within the league circles, I think this is these two things are linked and related. And I think it's a worry. And I, frankly, would be pretty scared. I mean, he's an extremely talented player. You can't deny that. Very, very talented. Might be the most talented player who is eligible for the 2023 draft. But if I'm drafting fifth overall, and I think he will be there at fifth overall, because I think 
Willie, Will Anderson will be the will go three to Arizona. I think there's just he's just a cleaner player at this point, and uh, you know he's got no character issues. You don't have to worry about his effort. And unless anything happens between now and the draft, I think he probably will will be the number three pick to Arizona. And and unless Chicago doesn't move out of that spot and takes Anderson number one overall, I would expect that you, yeah you're going to see. Anderson at three, and then Carter will be there at number five for Seattle. And then they've got a decision to make. Do they trust him enough to take him at, at five and hope that they can get the best out of him? Or is he just too much of, a, of an issue? And the more I think about it, you know, because I'm seeing it, I'm seeing plenty of mock drafts. I'm going to do another one. I'm going to run through a couple of mock drafts next week and sort of break them down and, and do videos like we did uh, with one recently from Jordan Reed. And I'm seeing people putting like Miles Murphy, number five, and Tyree Wilson. And I really don't want to go down that road. I mean, look, let's see how they test. I don't think it's going to matter how they test. In fact, with Miles Murphy, let's see how Tyree Wilson tests, if he's healthy enough to test the combine because of his unique frame. There is some intrigue there. But frankly, if, if Will Anderson's gone, I'm... For me, it's it's got to come back to the quarterback. With the way that Geno Smith has played in the second half of the season, I, you know his play has regressed. I do not think you can feel particularly confident about this is a guy that we want to secure for, let's say, the next three years at $30 million. I think even if you bring him back, it has to be you're bringing him back and drafting somebody. And for me, that, that at number five, there's going to be an opportunity there. There's going to be at least one quarterback there because I do think it is a four-quarterback class. I think, for me... If CJ Stroud declares, and he's as as I'm doing this video, he hasn't yet, and the deadline's coming up. If he declares, I think he'll be the number one overall pick. Because of that performance against Georgia, I think it will elevate him. I think that is just going to have teams humming with the way that he played in that game, and I think he'll be number one. And then I think we see how it goes. I think there's a chance Will Levis will go to Houston at number two. And... And then, you know, one of Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson at number four. The size for Young is the thing that will let him down. He's obviously a very talented player. I don't, I don't think he's going to go as high as some people think. Like, I mean, number one overall. But I still think he will go early because of his talent. But then, you know, one of those guys is going to be there at number five. Because there's not, I, there's not going to be four quarterbacks taken in the top five. In the, sorry, in the top four. So there's going to be one of those guys. And I think you have to seriously consider it. For the Seahawks, even if you bring Smith back, you know, this can't be uh, two. You know, the Seahawks are not close. They had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. They scraped into the playoffs. I, I sincerely hope they beat the 49ers this weekend. Nothing would please me more for the Seahawks to stomp into Santa Clara and upset the Niners. I love beating the Niners. I don't think it's particularly realistic. And I fear a little bit that they're going to be exposed in this game. Although maybe the weather will be a bit of an equaliser there because apparently it's going to be horrendous rain and awful sloppy game. So we'll see what happens um, in, in that regard. But I don't think they're that close. And I don't think they'll be that close if with a rookie defensive lineman added to the roster. I mean, yeah, the D-line could do more, do with more. But, you know, I don't think they're sort of one impact defender away from really changing this thing around. They don't have a lot of cap space. If they keep Geno Smith, they'll have hardly any cap space. So I do still think there has to be a long-term approach here. And, and I think you kind of have to think, this is year two of a rebuild. How we, What is laying the foundations? Sort of a year ago, it was two tackles. 
keeping some of your more experienced players, sort of paving the way for, you know, a young signal caller to get your leadership from elsewhere and bring the young quarterback in. I think the way that they spent their money, you know, only giving $28.5 million in effective cap space per over the cap. Uh, if you're going to go and check that out, by the way, make sure you're looking at it on a laptop or a computer rather than a phone, because the, for some reason the phone version of over the cap doesn't show effective cap space, but if you go on a computer, it will. You know, that's the seventh most cap space. It's not that much. And they only have 36 players signed and only the Chiefs and the Niners have fewer players signed for next year. So there's a lot to get done for the Seahawks without that much to spend. And if you keep Geno Smith, you know, at a big contract, then you have, like I say, you're going to have even less to spend. You can free up a bit more money, but then if you cut players to free up money, you have to replace them as well. So, yeah, there's a lot to get done here. And, and if you just embrace what it is, a build and accept that, okay, they've gone nine and eight and got into the playoffs this year. Can they get to 10 wins next year? You know, with a few tweaks here and there, that'd be fine for me. Then in, you know, the following year, when you've had your, you've, you've got sort of your 2022 draft classes is in its third year and your 2023 draft classes in its second year, and you've got another draft class and you maybe have got a bit more money to spend the following year. Is that then the off season? Is that then when you're, you know, you're, you're really putting the finishing touches to a roster to go for it in in year 2024. You know, that that is kind of the plan that I'd be thinking here. And even then, you're sort of thinking that's not probably going to be the year that you win your Super Bowl in the quarterback in the second year, though that's what Russell Wilson did. But it's beyond that. It's the third and the fourth year that they've got that you're trying to win that thing. That's kind of the timescale that I'd be looking at. Um but I, that'll be very hard for a lot of Seahawks fans to accept because, you know, listening to a lot of them at the minute, they are all in on re-sign Geno Smith. Everything's fine. Just get a few defenders and, and the team will be OK. I, I just I don't agree with that. And I'm not against completely taking a defensive lineman. You know, if they did take Jalen Carter, I'd be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt until I see him on the field because he's such a talented player. Did so with Will, Will Anderson. I, I just, Carter scares me. He, he really scares me in terms of, is he going to come in? Is he, is he want this? You know, how can you, how can you condition him to be crap that late into the season? You know, when, when everything's on the line, when you've identified it as a, as an issue that you need to work on in April the year before. I mean, what has he done? Sit in his ass for the whole summer? You know, why wasn't he out there working on his, his conditioning? What's he doing in the gym? Or is he just getting by on talent? And when he gets to the next level, you know, you can't be playing 40% of the snaps like you were at Georgia in the NFL. You, if you're top five pick, you've got to be out there most of the game, mate. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just not not entirely sold. And then I look at the quarterbacks and look, people keep going on and on about these quarterbacks. Oh, he's no good. He's no good. He's no good. Do me a favour. I mean, like, what do people expect? You can't expect everybody to be Joe Burrow. And... I think CJ Stroud has got an immense amount of talent. Got some work to do. Fantastic talent. Will Levis. Wow. You know, what an athlete. What a physical prototype he is. You know, he played behind a Kentucky line that got him killed. He had no weapons. He's playing for Kentucky in the SEC and people expect him to be Captain Marvel or something. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, Captain Marvel is obviously a woman, but there you go. It's... I don't I don't really know what people expected from him. And look, it's not to say that he was flawless. He made some mistakes. 
He was also hammered every single week. I mean, anybody who watched the Kentucky games was, was just like, I'd feared for him. I was kind of thinking, hoping he, he almost got a minor injury because he could sit out the rest of the season because it was just, it was awful watching him back there. And you know, when I think of Will Levis, he ticks all the boxes that Schneider likes. He, he is that sort of Josh Allen, Justin Herbert athlete, big, strong, great arm, mobile, can make plays with his legs. I've interviewed him, spoken to him, great guy, great character. Um, and would fit perfectly into Seattle because he played in the Rams' offense in Kentucky. They had Liam Cohen as the offensive coordinator, who had been the, if I'm, I think I'm right in saying, was the wide receivers coach for Sean McVay in LA 2018-2019, and then in 2020, he was the quarterback's coach, and then he was appointed the Kentucky offensive coordinator in 2020. One, had a great year with Will Levis, fantastic year, then he was appointed by Sean McVay off the back of that fantastic year to be the Rams offensive coordinator. And it hasn't worked out. They've had a horrible year for the Rams and he's gone back to Kentucky. So he's going to work with Devin Leary, who's transferred from NC State to Kentucky. So <clears throat> there we go. I wish Tyler Van Dyke had gone there, by the way. But he, by the by. So he's, he's worked in the Rams offense. He will know the terminology. He will know the system. If you needed a rookie to start quickly, he's your man. You know, if you need someone to start next year for the Seahawks who's in this in this draft, <clears throat> I would say that's Will Levis. Um, but people will go, oh, you know, he had that interception, didn't he? So, nah, I, I think people need a bit of perspective there. And Anthony Richardson's an amazing talent, an amazing, amazing talent. And too many people are focusing on, you know, some of the issues in his first year as a quarterback, essentially, rather than thinking of some of the positives, which are through the roof. You know, he's got superstar potential. So I still think those guys, that's where you've, you've kind of got to look. There's four quarterbacks, you pick five. It's a shame that you don't pick four, so you can guarantee one of them. But because Will Anderson's probably going to go to, to Arizona, in my opinion, then, you know, the chances of one of them lasting is very is, is certain. You know, you will get one of those guys and maybe Anderson and Carter go off the board and two of them are there. Um waiting for you to pick from at number five. Or maybe you trade up to guarantee you get one. I'm just saying, I think it's it's interesting. And then with the other pick, you know, I think you've just got to, if you, if you do go quarterback first, people go, oh, go, got to go D-line second. It, it could be a difficult spot, number 20, which is where they're currently picking, and we'll see what happens this weekend. I hope it's a bit later than that, and they'll beat the Niners. But it, it's difficult to, to pick out a defender there. That's that's a range where, you know, Cedric Van Pran, the centre for me, would be a good option if he declares... There's the receiving depth between 20 and 40 is amazing. You know, there's going to be some real talent at wide receiver between 20 and 40. And purely on the talent, you might have to go in that direction there and just take the receiver you like as a number three. Um, that's a very expensive position these days. And if you take a receiver there, you know, you, you are set up for the future of that position. So, um, and, you, you know, I like the old saying, uh, the modern saying rather, which is you're only as good as your third receiver these days. And if you put Levis in there with another receiver... And, or another offensive lineman, and you've got DK, and you've got Ken Walker, and you've got Tyler Lockett, and you've got your tight ends, that could be an offense that could do some real damage. So that is looking good. And yeah, you've got to improve the defense. But again, if you go with a rookie quarterback, maybe you can go and get a Deron Payne in free agency or somebody like that. Because you're not paying Geno Smith. But, you know, we'll see. Just a few thoughts ahead of the weekend. Let me know what you think in the comments section. And again, I'll stress, I am not saying I don't want to draft a defensive lineman at number five. I'm just saying... 
that I think we should have a, a I think there should be a bigger conversation within the Seahawks fan base about drafting a quarterback. Because right now it just seems like it's a one trap line, defensive line, defensive line, defensive line. And I think, you know, we have to think long term. Anyway, let me know what you think in the comments section. Like the video. Don't forget to subscribe. Lots more videos on the way. We are going to be all over this thing between now and April. So lots of draft content, lots of Seahawks content. Good luck to the Seahawks this weekend. I really hope they can get a win. Please do it. If not, draft talk o'clock for us as we, uh, as we rock into off-season mode. Check out SeahawksDraftBlog.com for more analysis. Until next time, bye for now. See you.